0: Okay. We're back with another Battleborn Doctor episode. We have got a couple uh, legacy hunters as Glenn calls himself. Uh, <laughs> we I got, got some uh, rocks in my yard are, that are legacy rocks. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, we got Glenn and Nick. Between the two of them they have hunted Southern Nevada for probably near to a hundred years of experience. It's a little bit under. They 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 look they look younger than their in their hunting experience but that being said we're excited to have them on the show you
1: just you just insulted them by giving them a compliment you realize that right
0: yeah that's they what look I do
1: younger for... than they really are
0: that's <laughs> that's what i do for a living
2: there's a little bit of truth in it I, <laughs> I,
0: I i tell people uh truths that aren't truths in nice ways i don't know anyway so we got two good good guys on the show and uh we brought them in here today to uh pick their brain about what they consider a good ethical hunter and everything involved in it but before that we'll we'll let them introduce themselves and just kind of give us a background on you know what got them into it and you know why they have a passion for it and you know whichever one you want to go first
3: um <laughs> uh, my name is glenn Frankie. um i grew up in wisconsin and started hunting with my father who got me into this
0: wonderful sport um was it duck hunting to start with or just big game just duck hunting. It was snow hunting.
3: Well, we did a lot of that, too, <laughs> but That came after the hunt, duck hunting. But no, we never hunted deer. My dad never liked venison, so we hunted anything that flew, we would shoot it. Really? So mm-hmm. just
0: upland, yes. ducks, everything? How was how it different from Wisconsin to here?
3: Night and day. Really? <laughs> They're in an actual
1: flyway, and they have
3: birds? Correct, yes. We're in the... I grew up right on the Mississippi flyway, and the main, you know, Mississippi River was seven minutes from my house, so it was very God. close. And we hunted predominantly Pool 7 and Pool 8. Um, and Pool 8 is where we hunted late season for bluebills, ringbills, redheads, and at the time that I grew up, uh, started hunting canvasbacks where you couldn't shoot them. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so that's really cool. Where you hunt now, like. Yes. Yeah.
3: Every chance I get, I don't pass up on a canvas bag. Unless it's a hen. I try not. Try to get the big, beautiful bowl cans.
0: That's something we're kind of spoiled with down here in Southern Nevada, is we've got all those cans. You know?
2: We do, but that's not always been the case. I think, you know, with conservation the way it's running nowadays, in our flyaway, we've seen an increase in beautiful. Bull cans that we've seen probably in the last, what do you think, Glenn, eight years? You know, back in the management area years ago, you would see the cans, but not the density that we see today. Really? And you would see them towards the end of the season. So you knew that probably from December 30th until the end of the duck season, you were going to strictly shoot cans. We're shooting them now pretty much three quarters of the season. Yeah, we got some local breaks now. Yeah, we really do. Well, I think
0: what happens
1: is the same thing happened. If you look at Overton, historically, you had. They brought in some geese down from Reno, right? And so they, they throw the geese out there and the geese so did so well in that environment that they overpopulated that environment so they started moving into Vegas. So the goose population in Vegas is actually from Overton yeah. and they've, they've moved out. I think the same thing's happened with we have one of the best canned areas in the United States up in, up in uh, Ruby Marsh. Oh, and wow. so that, that is one of the best canned places Green you'll ever nesting. hunt. So it's super amazing but it can only carry a capacity of so much, and so once it outgrows that capacity, they're gonna move. And then we're lucky enough to we're close enough to to Elko that we can get some of that migration to the south later in the winter. And Elko gets cold pretty early, so they're gonna have to go somewhere. And so we're starting to develop habitats around southern Nevada that are places where ducks want to be. So we I know we spent we we're just talking about it today. So you guys help are helping with uh, project of ours of clear, clearing the largest Bull rush on some of, the, some of the stuff, and we're creating environments where ducks want to be and ducks want to stay, and so you're allowing those cans that they come through and they see, hey, this isn't so bad. And so if you can maintain those, we're going to start having better habitats throughout all of southern Nevada as long as we can maintain that a little bit.
2: 100% agree. Mm, uh, absolutely,
3: glad. and the, the gentleman that they have up in Peranigat now, who actually is a duck hunter too, that has really helped a lot. Southern
0: boy, man. Yes,
3: he's yeah. done a great job with that WMA up there. I mean,
1: he's done a really, yes. really good job with getting get it to where it's a good duck habitat. right?
0: Spoiler alert: He's agreed to come on the show.
1: Yeah, there oh. you go.
3: <laughs> yeah, I figured as such. Yeah.
1: Rob no, a so good dude. That, that's
0: okay. Andrew's coming on too. So yeah. yeah. So that being said, I think that's the one that, and we'll get back to introducing Nick because everybody wants to know who Nick is. But that's one of the big things that goes along with um, hunter etiquette is the giving back, and that's something you guys like hats off, you do better than me and Brian deal, is you guys are almost up at, at, at WMAs every weekend from the text you sent me. Is that correct? How many hours do you spend a year, do you think?
2: Well, I would say I retired from the Los Angeles Metropolitan Police Department about 18 months ago. So 2020 really allowed me to hunt every huntable day. So it's the most I've ever hunted. Yeah. So I was in there two, three, four days a week. I don't hunt on the weekends anymore. Now that I'm retired, I'm a don't like the week.
0: competition, huh, I, man?
2: I don't like the competition, and I don't like the unsafety portion of it. I've been shot in the back a few times, just walking down the dike. You know, um, <laughs> not even on Metro, right? And yeah, I got to <laughs> worry more about things away from Metro. Nowadays. But um, I'm probably in there at least two to three days a week now and it'll be even more this season that's not hunting
0: that's conservation
2: that's conservation um i mean been in the last month and a half glenn and i have been got at least four to five days chopping hard stem bull rush chopping fields getting ready for the dove opener which took Mm -hmm. place today um we have two new hunters that we've brought in the sport in the last couple seasons they're all in and they're not afraid to scrap on the equipment, get in the water, and get their hands dirty. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it, it goes back to your take one, teach one. That's what Glenn and I are trying to do. You know, we're, we're getting older. Somebody's got to maintain these management areas. Andrew Coonan, who does a wonderful job, up there, can't do it by himself.
0: You can't. There's this not enough time in the day. Those boys work so hard, and they can't Well, they just got
1: There's so much on these WMAs, and that's what people, people miss a lot. Is they're like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that. Well... It's not just running duck season. It's running duck season. It's running dove season. It's running the fisheries when it's fishing season. On top of that, they have a requirement by the federal government to get rid of all the noxious weeds in the area. So yep. so there is always something for those guys to do. And, and, and then you, they
0: pull them off the WMAs for yeah, other things. And tasks. then they do.
1: So they're running water. I know um, the Overton WMA, I know both of their, those guys were running water for the sheep for like three weeks, yep. solid, like 16-hour days. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a ton that we just never see behind the, in the background. And we've been you know, blessed with, with having the podcast and having some people that are pretty gracious that are coming up with us and helping us with some more of these projects and getting more, more boots on the ground so we can help those WMA managers out a lot. Because, man, they'll, a lot of them will take any help people will give them. But what they hear is a lot of lip service, and then nobody shows up to do anything. Yeah. People are quick to complain when they don't like something. But there's not a lot of people that are quick to try to go fix it, right? Well,
3: yeah. they're very quick to complain when they go out opening day or on the weekend when the first chance they get and they stand out there and they don't see any ducks. And then they're like, well, where's all the ducks? You know, why is the management area look so bad? Why is there so much hard stem bulrush? Why is there no food for the ducks? Well, the manager can only do so much. And even someone like Nick and myself and the other people that we manage to drag up there even with us where there's only so much we can do as individuals so if everybody would actually come up and spend a day or two up there you know when they had actual time and gave a little hand to help uh you know cut some bulrush or to help uh broadcast some seed for the ducks so to keep you know to have something to hold the ducks here because with you know without food the ducks will come in and they'll refresh, and they're gone, and they're gone because there's nothing to eat. Why stay? Yeah, and that's the that's the thing is we were
1: just. I mean, one of the cool things about it is people don't understand us. So we all, you know, you get everybody goes and scouts. So everybody wants to go scout this and go scout that. And so we were up in another area doing a project up in another WMA a couple of weeks ago. And man, it's a perfect time to scout your ducks, right? Because we know what's in that. We know it's in there now because we pushed a lot of ducks out of out of their holes when we were in there because we were setting goose boxes. So you're having to get into the holes that they want to be in naturally anyways. Right. So you're able to kind of see, okay, this is an area that's going to hold ducks early season. Now we all know these WMAs get overrun with people. Um, the ones that are a little bit more remote, a little bit, not so busy sometimes especially towards the end of the season, those ducks get smart. They're not going to hold the same hole the whole year round, but you can be on a pretty good foot to start the season if you know where the ducks have historically been sitting early in the se- early in that season.
0: And the water level. And the
1: water level. So that's a big one. Uh-huh. Ron and I ran into that last year with Keith Pittman is we got out there and where we normally hunt, there's no water.
2: Well, you think about last year, you know, not only with COVID, we had a very dry spring. Summer. We had no rain from April 21st until December 12th. Yeah, it was
0: nuts.
1: Well, and then the they pulled all the water for the fires
2: not only the fires, but then we had the problem sheep throughout the entire state, so they're hauling water everywhere from every WMA. They're pulling water just to go drink the sheep, Yeah, you know? And so you had that, which impacted, uh, let's use Keith Pittman for an example, it impacted the opener big time. I mean, I got out there two days before the opener to set some things up for Andrew, and I was shocked at the water. Just in the last two weeks, we've watched Frenchie, which had water in it. Yeah. It's bone dry today.
0: Yeah, that's what someone was telling me.
2: Okay. And that's in two weeks, but you look at Paranegate, I thought Paranegate had some good water in it today. And did you see all the ducks to the far south to the lower that's lake? that's another I
0: mean, good example of management.
2: Right. And then you know with, with the ranchers in the in, in the uh, Alamo area, they're pulling water to keep their cattle alive. Yeah. Water their hay. That's a big share that those guys, the WMA managers have to work with. That's an art.
1: Well, it's tough for so Andrews a state WMA manager and yes. and you know Piranha gets a federal management area and so they have two different sets of rules, right? So mm-hmm. the feds that water is their water. Nobody can touch their water. That's their water. They own it. Nobody has anything to do with it. What Andrews having to deal with is he's on the list of users and he's not a priority right. user. So he kind of gets a little bit of water here and there, and then hopefully some's left over that he can make it work. I know last year the day before opener they hadn't even. They hadn't even started filling Frenchy when we got there the day before opener. So, you had to go beg the ranchers. But what we were seeing is it was kind of interesting because the ducks were still sitting in the mud.
0: <laughs> there was
1: no water. They're just sitting in the mud, and mm-hmm. they're happy to do it. But, you know, the areas that held water, I'm looking at, I was talking to somebody that's up in Reno um, yesterday, it must have been the day before yesterday, and, and he was saying that they, they don't know what they're going to do. There's no water. There, there's nowhere to hunt ducks because all the primary hunting spots are, are dry. They're dry. And, you know, they're in another issue, so they have those big fires up there. So any any water source they can use up there, they're using it. And then we don't have the rain. We don't have the snowpack that we didn't have that. And look at Lake Mead. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, and that's, you know, down south we get a little bit luckier because, yeah, you may not have – Key pitman may not be great early season, but you have Peranigan that you can hunt, or you have Overton that's usually pretty good. And Overton, it doesn't take as much water because it's all – It's all bulrush, right? Right. And everything's super shallow, so they can push a little bit of water in there. It fills those up pretty quick. But what you don't have is a food source that's going to keep the ducks there. So those ducks are—they're coming. They're just coming to loaf on the water. They're not coming to feed.
0: At uh, which one? At At, at At Overton. Overton. So he has. I I was out there today. He had millet everywhere, and he had the sunflowers everywhere. But they
1: cut them. I guess they don't have any aqua. Yeah, they cut all the millet. Gets cut before duck season, so that's how because they're getting the resters ready, so we don't have any long stem millet left, and there's nothing on that water for them to feed, and the ducks, I mean, and they mow it all down, so the cool thing about Overton is you got multiple seasons, you got dove season, you got duck season, they do dog trials out there, but during dove season, they leave all that millet up, and as soon as that dove season's over, that millet's gone, so, you know, the ducks need, if you're going to keep them, they got to have a food source there, and that's one of the it's one of the toughest things for those WMA managers to do is is keep a food source that's going
3: to be keep a constant food source, whether it be um, sago pondweed or Japanese millet, you know, goosefoot,
0: Goose
3: like something that would have had a chance to come back. But then the problem is, is that they're yeah. always running low on you water. Keep
0: water on it to keep mm, a yeah. right.
1: And yeah. the other the other issue you have is you got to make those WMA's have to be multi use. Right? We can't just say, oh, well, this is a this right. is a duck hunting WMA. No, it's going to be a duck hunting. It's going to be a We're duck hunting. Leave. It's going to be, you can actually pull permits if you want to deal with the WMA manager to try to trap on those lands. And most of the WMA managers, it becomes an issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, as a public, through endowment. Well, that Indow- goes back to
0: the public because they don't want people's dogs. Yeah, caught, they don't want so people's dogs. Like, so, you know, you've got to right.
1: be able to run your dogs on that land. So, through endowment, yeah, you can, if you look at the endowment rule book, we can go in there and hunt it or we can go ahead and trap it, but you have to have a permit from the WMA manager. And he doesn't want to do it because now he's got somebody's dog that got caught up in a trap, and it's, it's just a big nightmare. So these guys juggle a lot of balls right. at the same time. And
3: then time. between, like, like uh, Andrew up at Key Pittman and Brady up at Kirch, they also have to manage for fish, too.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: And that just adds one more. Dynamic.
0: You know, mm-hmm. Well, I want to get back to what you said, Glenn, where you said that you're you're mentoring, too. um they're in their 20s two two twenty-year-olds mm-hmm. essentially, and you're you're mentoring them the right way, you know, with with the hunting etiquette. Is you're teaching them not only the hunting aspect of it, but you're teaching them the responsibility aspect. And one thing you said that I was like, oh, that's awesome. Is you said you can spend one day a week, you know, and I guarantee if you go up there and talk to Andrew and you say, hey, I'm gonna be up here on Tuesday, you have something for me to do. That guy has an endless amount of tasks for you to do. Absolutely. And so you don't have to go up there with the Wynn Group. You don't have to go up there with another NGO. You just have to show up. and I, That's probably what you all started doing and started seeing that he has endless tasks for people to do. Well,
2: years ago, that's how Glenn and I met. And then you've met um, James Cummins. Yeah. You, he purchased a dog for Well, his dad's a legacy in Wynn, Andrew. Ex- Exactly. Yeah. He's with Wynn and that he was really close with Glenn. And my dad and I used to go up to volunteer for Bart Tanner, who was the area manager at the time. And we just got working with these guys, with Andrew and Glenn, and we became really close. And I mean, from water structures to, to, to fixing fences, to, to putting seed out, all those little things that we were doing when we were younger, we're trying to pass on to the guys that are coming up now. You know, I get a lot of excuses from parents. I get it, 2021 people are busy. But to take your kids out to go out and volunteer teaches them two things teaches them the management area what it looks like during the off season and it gives a little bit of responsibility so when they do go out hunting they can be proud of, you know what I just killed my first canvas back today and I, I fixed fence on this area, I put in water culverts in this area and I get to enjoy the harvesting of the animals right. and that's what some of these parents need to take advantage of it and it's not only you said multi-purpose we fish, Sunnyside we fish, keep hitman. Well, you get to see what the breeding ducks are doing in the spring. You know, we counted 19 different pairs of geese this year thanks to your guys' goose nest.
0: Yeah. You know, Between the funny the
1: thing seat? is, people were telling us we installed them all wrong. We didn't know what we were doing, and they would never nest in them. and no, they It didn't, didn't even take a year. They
0: were, just, <laughs> they were just mad because we put them in their shooting ground. They, they yeah, they,
3: didn't, they wanted to shoot from those <laughs> spots. We're like, well, that's where the geese want to be. So right. <clears throat> you have these big things up, and everyone's like, what the heck are these things? They're gaudy. Yeah. And, um, when I first saw them, I had to agree. I'm like, you're right, they're gaudy. But then next thing I know, geese were using them. And yeah, I'm like, nesting it. I love those things. <laughs> you know? well,
1: that's, and That's the thing is it's not, it's not what we want as hunters, right? It's no. It's what's going to make that habitat more more inviting to, to it, it's wildlife, It's the whole right?
2: part of converse, uh, conservation on our end of it. Getting these birds. Listen, it's a sustainable resource as long as we're working hard. Get yeah. our hands dirty. We can't just all be out hunting, fishing, and doing it. you got to get in there and do some work. And it's it's enjoyable, man. It's enjoyable
0: to go out there and like break a sweat. You know, it's enjoyable to break a sweat doing something for no pay cuz you enjoy it. When I break a sweat and I'm having to get paid for it, I usually am not that happy. Well, and it's, you don't
1: have to. I mean, there's enough stuff to do. On yeah, Brian WMAs. doesn't have to. He he manages that's usually right. and makes that's everybody right. else that's work. Right. I'm the manager. <laughs> he doesn't break his. sweat. I'm the manager he of the of manager managers. Breaks the managers. He breaks <laughs> sweat. tells
3: everybody else to break sweat. No, but you
1: don't have to. I mean, if you don't have the ability to get out and do the hard manual labor stuff, there's a lot of stuff that you can do that yes. isn't necessarily super labor-intensive. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to take a guy that's 70 years old and go put him on a brush hog and have him cut in <laughs> hard stem millet.
0: Get behind that pitchfork boy. Put or put him on a
1: pitchfork <laughs> to move it all out of the way. That's but, what Glenn had to do. But you know that we
0: <laughs> Yeah, I'm still feeling we feeling took it. up
1: when Glenn was up there with us, we took a bunch of guys up there and we did some you know, we did the mill the bull rush. We got rid of a bunch of that and then we did some seating. yeah, And then we did some bull rush repair and just putting on some stuff that we can go in and brush those bull rushes in a little or those blinds in a little bit better. So the guys that couldn't do necessarily do the heavy lifting, yeah, they can staple some wire mesh onto a blind. I mean, that's pretty easy to do, right? Right. And you send a young kid with him to carry this stuff, and it's even better, because then they got Cody to blame for everything. So, <laughs> I mean, it was funny, because Cody's my kid, and, and I just I walked up there, and every time they were looking for something they couldn't find, they're like, damn it, Cody! <laughs> mm-hmm. And he just would shake his head and laugh. But, you know, there's something for everybody to do, and Andrew will find something for you to do. Maybe it's, he needs something, need something painted or to hang a sign or something, just simple, easy tasks. They don't. They're not
3: all difficult.
1: And or then, hey, can you walk yeah. the
0: management area and just pick up trash that the fishermen left. And that's, or,
1: but and that's that, but
3: Going through the blinds because during the course of the hunting season, people leave stuff, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It happens. You know, I get it. But See, I've I gone up there numerous pick times. Pick up your crap. It's pretty easy. Pick yeah. up your stuff and take it home with you. It's real simple. But we go up there plenty of times, and I would see Corona bottles in the blinds. I would see shell casings.
1: Chewing
2: tobacco cans. Chewing tobacco sandwich cans. bags.
1: See, and I'm okay with the sunflower season and chewing tobacco. I draw the line, and, and we, we need to be doing a better job as a, of enforcement, is there should be no alcohol in a blind on a WMA.
3: Absolutely. Period.
1: In of story, yeah. you're dealing with firearms. A, it's illegal. I mean, that's one of the first things you learn about handling right. firearms. You cannot be drinking and handling a firearm. Right. So, we've got these people, and I, I saw it at Overton this year. I was doing a hunt, and I was on the my ball was ball seventy five out of seventy five. So, we were going to last draw.
0: That's the one I usually. get.
1: And it was, I mean, it was, it was packed, packed. I mean, like the worst I've ever seen in Overton. I've seen it pretty packed.
0: A corona packed. Yeah,
1: it was Corona <laughs> packed, and, and the reason I say it is because my kid and I decided to go home. Because there were literally guys with no waiters, no camouflage, no dog, two coolers apiece going out to a blind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm like, dude, it's just going to be stupid. It's not even going to be worth hunting.
0: It. Right. I mean, is that I mean, a rule in WMAs? No alcohol?
1: No, it's it's a rule handle a firearm. There's laws against right. being intoxicated it, with a firearm.
2: Exactly. And of a firearm with, with alcohol is, is illegal in the state of Nevada. Um, listen, we all like to partake in our adult beverages. Well, but except for stays,
0: Ron. Right. I got my sparkling soda right here. <laughs> but, it, you know, well, it's not adult, I've hard never stuff. seen a kid drink one of these. <laughs> Leave it in the
2: cooler in the back of the truck, and after the hunt, hey, let's all stand at the end of the truck, rest some feathers, pop a cold one, tell some stories, but it don't need to be in the blind with
1: you. Dude, I'm all for a good battle beer after we're done hunting or a two bitch bourbon. You know, I, I, don't have a, I don't have a problem with, with that aspect. You know, I, I like to have a beer or two on you know, occasion, but when we're doing it we're actively hunting and we're going to hurt somebody and you, know, you possibly kill somebody, I mean, that's not cool. It's not a good thing to be and It's not a good – if you want the antis to come after you, well, let them go find a couple of drunk guys with shotguns shooting at stuff.
2: Sure. Well, let's just look at the investigative portion of the, of the criminal act. So you're out there having a good time with your son. You decide to pop open a nice cold beer. Saturday afternoon, you're having a good time with your boy, and he accidentally shoots somebody. Accidentally, he has whatever brain fade, whatever. Now you're responsible for him, and you're in possession of alcoholic beverage while you both have firearms. Now you're going to lose your hunting rights. Possibly going to lose your truck. Anything else? Is it worth it? Is that beer worth it while you're out? Well,
1: runs? not to mention, so you're in if your kids hunting with you. And you're drinking, and you're in possession of a firearm. That's child endangerment. It that's is a felony. You, so, uh, so you're, you're going rolling, to jail.
2: Yeah, you're rolling all that, and you're usually 120 miles away from your home. So if you're up and keep hitting, yeah. It, right? What's uh you? You've
0: been up there during your emergency. What's the response time out there for someone to get up there and to get someone injured out? It depends well, with volunteers are available or not. Yes. No, no, no. Volunteers don't get people out. If there's someone seriously injured, can a volunteer do much, Brian?
1: No. Yeah, the, but they do. So I will tell you that volunteer fire department out there. They're pretty good because they have um, – there's a county firefighter that's retired now okay. that he's a part of that group. So they have some skill.
0: But they, don't have, the they don't have the, what
2: the capabilities hospitals have.
1: They don't have the capabilities hospitals have, so you're going to have to fly them out. What's your fly-out time?
2: Well you, well, you think your, your first response is going to be whoever calls 911. Now that 911 operator has to call the local dispatch Yeah. Right to get a you know, Lincoln County officer out there. That's 20-minute minimum. Yeah. Or maybe an NHP guy that could be there, right? Now he's on the management area, no waiters. Is he gonna rush right out there again? He's probably gonna get out there, assess it, and maybe call Flight for Life. You're talking twenty-five minutes.
0: And then Flight for Life, you're looking at another like it's gonna take him at least forty five minutes to get out there. Right. Am I right, Brian? Is well, that a Yeah,
1: but what they'll do is they'll start him. So the way it is the way it'll work is and they have some volunteer trucks out there. I know they have one right there in Hico. Okay. But um it's part of the same fire group. But here's the problem is volunteers. I love them and they do a great job. They're not always home. So if right. you don't have a volunteer crew available, there's nobody in the Valley, then you're going to wait. If you happen to have somebody in the Valley, it's going to take them 10, 15 minutes to get there from their house. Mm-hmm. But generally what we would do is I was a volunteer fire captain for a while. And generally the first thing I would do is if it sounded something that could be critical. I'd get the, get the helicopter in the air. So we, a lot of times we kind of be getting there at the same time. So it cuts off some of your time, but it's still a 45 minute flight from right. there back into Vegas. Because that's where they're going to take
0: yeah, you. Yeah, so you're around an hour and a half minimum. Yeah. If you're hustling.
2: If you're hustling.
1: And you could, a lot can happen in an hour and a
0: half. Yep. A lot could happen in five minutes. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. we, you, we've watched people bleed out that quick. Yes. Well, absolutely.
2: I was a resident officer from the last two and a half years out in Laughlin. Okay? And let's say there was a car crash on the 93, 93 towards the Laughlin turnoff. Just by the time we could get out there was 30 minutes. And was probably twenty. Set up a landing zone. FD is all volunteer and searchlight. Yep. <laughs> and like you said, the retired county fireman in Heiko, he could be in Utah fishing up. So now he's behind the power curve because of the phone calls he's got to make. You're well within that hour, hour and a oh, half. Oh, yeah. All right. And then flight is is twenty thousand just to fire up. It's just airport. not a risk. And they've got it. They're going to get there, but they're coming from Vegas. Yeah, it's. That's, a, there's they're, not nothing the they're not coming from Mesquite. They're not coming from St. George. They're coming from Vegas.
1: see and you got you're a little bit luckier in Laughlin. I worked a I was a paramedic in Laughlin for a while, so you actually have across the river. There's there's a bird across the river that they can right. use, and they have there's paid paramedics in Laughlin. So you got two crews in Laughlin. You got a paid fire department in Laughlin. Mm-hmm. So if it's fairly close, you're a little bit safer. But you get these these rural towns, and I will tell you, Key Pittman doesn't scare me nearly as bad as Sunnyside scares. <laughs> Right. There is nothing there, and there's a lot of people with no phone service.
0: Hey, what, what county is Sunnyside in? White Pine or L- Nye. It's it's, Nye. It's Nye. Nye, Nye county. County. Yeah. County. It's right on That's the border. Right. What, where's oh, the out. nearest response from Nye County? It's going to
1: be from Perum.
0: Nope. Tonopah. Tonopah. Oh. And how do you get to Nye County from Tonopah? Drive through Alamo. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Gonna take yeah. It's going to be.
0: I was up there at uh, Sunnyside Camp and I was camping with my family, and there's a shooting. They didn't shoot anybody. They shot at people. Someone was being rowdy, and rednecks took the law into their own hands. Wrong? It was not me. This sure. no, it was not me. I Anyways,
2: me. did you use the term redneck? Right um, I, I prefer Appalachian American, but yeah, look.
0: These, these Appalachian <laughs> Americans took some uh, some uh, some I'm justice in their hand. Anyways, the, the the sheriff got there after a live shooting in twelve hours. So that's as long as it took.
2: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Well, that's the thing is they cover those, those Nye County, White Pine County, you know, any of those, those outlying counties, they're so small, their officer counts pretty low. Nye County has got fewer more because they have a ton in Pahrump, right? Right. But they don't have, they might have one officer on and and that's it. So if he's tied up on something else, then yeah, you're getting whoever you can get. If they can get somebody.
0: They, uh, they told the WMA manager that he's in charge of law enforcement (laughs) Really? Yeah, they're like, hey, listen, you're going to need to handle these in the future. And he's like, dude, I work for Endow, and I'm not even a game warden. I don't even have a gun. Yeah, yet. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's, anyways, just talking about responsibilities of WMA managers that they shouldn't be responsible for.
2: It's It's funny that we're talking about this because we just got talking with Andrew today about – because years ago when we started, the area manager actually had law enforcement authority. Really? Okay. Yes, and they carried firearms and things like that. That was taken away from them by the state for money reasons. They were paying the area manager a little extra money to be law enforcement, cross-certified, right? And that was Barb Tanner who ran the management area out of Keith Pittman. They ripped that away from him years ago. And,
0: it's too bad. That's a good idea.
2: Right. But Andrew, is, he's, he's a dog with no teeth. So let's say you're out there breaking the law. <laughs> any all
0: criminals he- you can shut off the podcast now
2: go ahead <laughs> there we go. But he, he can really just ask you to leave the management area if he can't get law enforcement to enact a law he's going to just have to ask you to leave the management area maybe take your name, your date of birth and all that and he can verbally trespass you from there but that's all he can really do and it's sad because he's out there by himself and if he needed anybody to back him up NHP or Lincoln County he's at 15-20 minutes minimum and he's not going to get in a fight with a hunter or a fisherman, right?
0: But lucky for him, he has like people like you that are always out there, and he can be like, "Hey, Nick, will you come talk
2: to this guy?" And I have, yeah. Well,
0: and it's tough. I mean,
1: these guys, Brady and and uh, Andrew, they're they're the real remote guys. You know, right. um, you've got and Benny and Overton really got it. He's got. They're it like good. cowboys, man, like Wild West. <laughs> but Benny's got it really good because we've got resident officers out there. Right. So you've got two to three officers on per shift. And depends on whether you have a sergeant or not. You have NHP that's resident in the area, mm-hmm. and we have a game warden that actually lives on property.
2: And you have the feds that are also in the yeah. area, just like lawful.
1: Yeah, so yeah. you got they come from to the to Lake, feds. and we got right. some BLM. So, so you've got all that stuff. He's got all those resources. Where Andrew, he may have a game warden. A lot of times, he doesn't have a game warden. Pioch, maybe. you know, yeah, they either come from Pioch or Vegas. You know, it depends kind of where they're coming from or. or Overton, you yeah. know, Or Overton, yeah. So you've got, they don't have that ability to have those guys have their back all the yep. time. If something happens with Benny and somebody gets lippy, he just makes a phone call. Five minutes later, somebody shows up. Mm-hmm. These guys, if they show up from close, it's going to be Alamo. Yep. And, but, and then it's going to still be 30 minutes before
3: they get there. Right.
1: But so.
0: people need to understand if they are going to get lippy with a WMA manager, he has a lot of friends out there that already have guns. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, we don't have any law enforcement capabilities, but we do have the mob mentality. Well, and there's, I, you know, because I like we all really like our WMA managers for the most part. Like I, I, I haven't met one I don't like, and like if anybody were to try to harass Andrew, they would have they would have some problems. Well, to be honest with you, I agree. most of the guys
1: yeah. aren't going to be a problem, right? So most of them are
3: no, the majority of people. are just going are, out to are are enjoy not themselves. The problem, a you know? It's just... Yeah.
1: Uh, we had it. We we were hunting last year, and there was an incident, and yeah, it got it got it got pretty ugly for a minute. And I'm like, dude, I, I pity the guy that's gonna take him on because it, it, it's gonna hurt. Because <laughs> we know the guy, and and we know what his background is. But you know, and Andrew's like, that's who that was. And so you, and Andrew's he hears it from his house, right? And I I look at it, I laugh at him every time I go by the house. I'm like, dude, can't you get a house without bullet holes in it? I mean, come on. <laughs>
0: Must be in a bad neighborhood. It is in a really a bad neighborhood. neighborhood. It really is. <laughs> um th- yeah, going down to that is when you're hunting a WMA, you know, like um, dealing with other people. Let's 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 talk about that. What are your what are your thoughts on that, Nick? Like how should you treat other people in the
2: WMA? Well, number one, hunters and fishermen are conservationists to begin with. So they're pretty respectful yeah. of the property of other people and stuff like that. You know, We've had, in the last year and a half, not in our fly- flyway, another flyway, there was a shooting that occurred over an argument about people skybusting. We've all hunted over them. We've all hunted other management. It happens. It's nature of the beast, okay? Guy gets to come out three or four times a year. He's gonna shoot high at birds, because those are the only birds he's probably seen in eight months, right? It's gonna happen. To start yelling back and forth, it's not needed, because all you're gonna do is ask for a problem. Either walking out, the guy's going to confront you at your truck, or you're going to get heated up because he says something back. Why? It's not worth it. Just let it go. Just let it go. One of the things that I've done is if I see somebody who I think may be a little inexperienced or unsafe, I'll walk up to him, introduce myself. Hey, my name's Nick. Um, how long have you been hunting out here? Get in a general conversation. Break the ice. Hey, would you like to hunt with me? Well, come on, spend an afternoon with me. Here's my phone number make friends that way that's one way that we're promoting the sport and I get to ask them to come out and help us on volunteer projects yeah there was a group of guys years ago they were the nicest guys that were from Utah they had about three dozen decoys piled up in a jumble on opening day
1: you sure it wasn't wrong <laughs>
2: You know, I don't I oh, more. it would have been
1: six <laughs> dozen decoys all piled in the pile,
0: please go higher. Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah, it was about three dozen decoys, and I'm walking out there, and I'm like, I, my dad was alive at the time, so I stopped my dad, and said, "Hey, let's go talk to these boys, right?" So, hey guys, how's it going this morning? How are you? Going? Well, we've lost a couple birds, and can we use your dog to go? Yeah, let me. Where are they go? So we got the dog out there, and my dad's looking at the decoys. He goes, "Who tied these decoys in it? They came from the factory that way." <laughs> okay. So my dad starts setting decoys, and they're like, well, the reason we set them in a the group because we figured ducks would like an orgy. Well, <laughs> so if we put them all in the corner, it looked like an orgy, and they would all want to jump right in here or so. And they're sitting five feet off this jumble of ducks, and we're laughing, and they were really well-humored guys. We're like, come on, boys. Come out with us. And we took them out there, and they fell in love with the sport. And that's the type of attitude you have to have. Listen, we we're legacy hunters as we've been labeled. <laughs> All right. It's better well, than geriatric hunters, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> another 10 years, we I've
1: can
3: I've got another label for away. you. I can give you, just give me a little bit
1: of time.
0: <laughs>
3: but, another five, seven years, you can
0: say that. Right, I yeah. mean,
2: Glenn, are still, Glenn and I are still going out in our mid-50s to areas that guys won't walk out to even in their 20s because we're nuts, right? But having that approach with other hunters is so much more enjoyable than arguing with them. We've all been to arguments with people. You got guns involved out here. You've got egos involved out here. Why? Just be nice. And if they don't want to hear it from you, walk off. There's other days for you to hunt. Yeah. That but season is two and a half months, three months long. Walk off.
1: It's one day. Right? Yeah, so unfortunately that, day.
0: that argument you're talking about that happened back east, like the guy didn't walk off. Yeah, there were two, was- two or three guys didn't walk off. Right.
1: Uh-huh. You know, and it was over. The, a blind. They'll never
0: walk off again. How many? How many passed away in that little confrontation?
1: I believe it. There was at least two. There were two fatalities. And, and guy another
2: sho- the, sh- Another person shot.
1: Yeah, the guy walked into a blind. And, you know, argument over a blind. I was watching some wildlife show the other day, and they were talk about it. And the game wardens actually went out. It was public lands. And if you don't know, public lands. If there's a blind on the public lands, I don't care who built the blind.
0: First come first. Serve. First
1: come first served. You if go you put hang a, a water bottle. On if it, you go hang a water bottle on a damn tree. It's not your hole. Okay, I don't care if you put a note in there and say I'm going to be back here for the entire hunting season. This is my area. No, it's not. In the state of Nevada, it's first come first serve. So um, we will we'll generally go f- try to find somebody else any- somewhere else, anyways, because somebody's been in there and just been disturbing stuff. So you're not going to be as successful, anyways. But. The game wardens actually went in and went, pulled their boat into the blind and sat there. And this guy sat there and argued with him. And they are like, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just going to brush this blind up. They're like, we're hunting, trying to hunt in here. He goes, well, I'm going to brush this blind up. I'm brushing the blind. He goes, but we're trying to hunt. And the guy was just being a total jerk about it. And so right. the game warden shows him his badge. He goes, come here. And he's like, now you're done. And so, but that's the problem we have is it's public land. That means everybody has access to that public land. And, and public land in the state of Nevada is a the state of Nevada is a great place because we have so much so public land. I mean, Ron, Ron, and I were out at Key Pitman one year, and I mean, five minutes before hunting lights, me wants to set up right on top. I'm talking literally five feet from us. Right. And then got mad when we told him, "Hey, you're sitting a little close to us. Why don't you just come join it was us?" Very
0: politely, it wasn't like, "Hey, derogatory term, you're close to us." It's like, "Hey, man, we're we're right here. I don't want to get shot." Right. You know, and, and we don't. Is there somewhere else you might be able to go? It was just like that. Yeah. My
1: my choice would be if I'm going to have another hunter that wants to come set up right next to me and is going to going to screw my hunt up because he's not undercover, he's not any of that. I would rather have him where I can have some control over the situation, right? right? So you bring an extra two people in your blind, it's really not going to kill
2: anything. No,
1: but what happens is people get out there and they think that they own everything and everything's theirs, and and so. We need to look as hunters as okay, so I can't have that that spot today, but in two days if it's if it's Keith Pittman or Overton, in two days I can have that same blind, right? Right. You know, it, it's just okay, maybe or you
0: get up early. Get up a get little it. bit
1: earlier, yeah. So maybe I'm gonna have to be out there at one o'clock in the morning did to go listen, get a blind, right?
0: Did you listen to that Dr. Duck episode where he's like, Listen, WMAs, they're public access. You know, it's competitive. And I like the competitive drive on it. If you can't handle the fire you know, if you can't handle the game, get out of the fire. Right? He's like, go hunt public. People would you know, kill. You, you don't have to get up early to hunt public. Or you don't have to get private. Up, up private. Yeah, you don't have to get up early to hunt private.
2: People you know? would
1: kill back in Texas, Oklahoma, South Dakotas. They would kill to have a public lands we have in Nevada. Oh, yeah. and And you know how you're going to ruin that is get all the public lands closed because people can't. Play well in the sandbox again. Just
2: can't get along over silly things,
0: or just understand it's a WMA, and you're going to have Skybusters. You're going to have people that don't hunt well, and that's just We're the the game. You have people that are going to walk up on you, you brand people new that-
3: people to the yeah. sport that don't know a lot about it, and yeah. but you know want to try it out. So you know it's it's a learning experience for everybody, and that's for me. A lot of times, I get up there like 20 minutes before shooting time, <laughs> and I do that specifically so when i walk i have an idea where i want to go and as i walk out okay can't hunt here can't hunt here can't hunt here okay but i can go over here and i always make sure that when i walk out say hi to the guys hey i'm gonna go down about 150 yards away from you is that cool yep
1: all right we kind of do the same thing we call the checkerboard so we'll look right We, we may pull a blind and we'll look and kind of see who's around us and see whether that's where we want to stay Um, because especially when you start getting a really busy WMA, you can make or break your hunt by who's hunting around you. But for me, I think sometimes you just got to look at the humor in the whole thing, right? So I had a guy, we're hunting Overton and we had two guys across was, they were doing the classic sky bus and just shoot. They, I was on one pond and they were jumping, running down the dike and shooting onto my pond at Pentails on my pond. Just crap like that right so you're already like oh, come on really i just want to shoot a couple birds and go home right right and all of a sudden we look across the way and I, we had scott uh, scott cody with me i think is who it was i think uh scott's buddy Stubbs. i think we were all this blind and so all of a sudden scott goes are you kidding me i'm like what he goes look at that and literally there's these two guys in that hard stem bull rush they're standing there you can completely see their silhouettes but the ducks couldn't see their silhouettes because they each had a palm frond held in front of their face. <laughs> it was like it was comical. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's like the old cartoons where the guy hides behind a tree, right? <laughs> but people and, and they thought they were doing something, right? And and you just sometimes you just use it as comic relief because that's all you can do.
0: I mean, yeah, you get enough. I mean, it's we, hard not to get mad sometimes. But we
1: say it's... if you're gonna pull a, if you're gonna pull one or two ducks out of Overton, it's like getting a limit some other <laughs> places, right? You're right because there's so much competition and there's so many people that are doing the things that are going to flare buck birds and move birds right so it's tough it's a tougher thing to do keep him and gets a little bit better but it gets it gets a little bit out of control over there especially early season
3: it can get a little out of control but then like i said you know you also have the people who aren't really familiar with hunting so they're not exactly sure what they're supposed to do and you know how you need to stay in the blind watching the birds trying to keep as well hidden as you possibly can but you know when there's no birds in the air you get bored and sure as shoot what Ron. happens what happens when you get bored and you start going for a walk guess what comes in
0: ducks
2: correct yeah. or, or geese, geese in your, and our, or you know. geese right <laughs> <laughs> open your lunch box, you're grabbing your sandwich or you're using the restroom or something you're taking a birds, nap. lighting a cigarette something like that <laughs> taking a nap
3: like in the cigarette or using the facilities and all of a sudden here comes three pintail. And you're like, oh,
2: man. <laughs> you sat there three hours and I'm not a bird and all of a sudden here they come, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that we've all noticed since COVID hit, the influx of new outdoors people. From hunting, fishing, hiking, kayaking. Yeah. Your kayak broadcast I, I listened to this morning. And I'm new to the kayak hunt portion of this game. Um, And I love it. It's become a new addiction. But what I'm noticing is people are watching YouTube. Okay? Palm Palms. They probably saw it on on YouTube. Last year, I'm helping a fellow hunter. Called me up. He goes, hey, come up to Area 11 with me on a buck. He had a buck tag, rifle tag. So I'm out there with him, and I see three guys on side-by-sides. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon in the flats, flying around up and down and we're sitting up there, you know, hunting this guy's buck. And finally, I had enough of it. I walk down there. And I wave him down. Hey, guys. Hey. You guys just joyriding? Oh, no, we're hunting. <laughs> For what? For we got what? buck tags. We got three buck tags. But what are you doing? Well, we saw on YouTube that if you chase all the does around on the side-by-sides, they'll run up to the high hills, and they will. the bucks will follow them up there, and then we'll go hunt the high hills. You saw this on YouTube? Yeah. So we're chasing all the does up to the high hills. YouTube certified. Good for you. Have fun. See you later. <laughs> and I laughed. It was like, hold my beer type deal. Like, up, but watch this. We'll chase all the deer out of the area. And, but that's what you I we're can see that with. my working at the Bucks were in rut. But <laughs> like early <laughs> rifle season,
0: you know where the Bucks don't want to be? Right. <laughs> Buy the does. Right.
2: So it's, it's, but we're seeing that with on WMAs. You're seeing a lot of inexperience. And that's where people like Glenn and I, can approach these guys nicely. Hey, if they don't want the advice, cool, we'll walk away. But Glenn talked about how, and you mentioned the checkerboard, as you're walking out and he goes 20 minutes out because he knows where he's going to go. A majority of the time where we like to hunt, guys are not going to put the effort in. That's why we can go 20, 30 minutes out from sunrise because we know where we're going and there's not going to be a soul out there. But as you're picking your way through the checkerboard and because of the friends we've made over the years, there's no opening on the checkerboard and you, hey, good morning, guys. They'll invite you because we've been so nice to them. Hey, where are you going today? Well, I was gonna go over here, but it's tied up, so I'm probably gonna go home. Come join us. We invited them in the past, now they're repaying us back.
1: No, that's the way it works with and a lot of them. It's been a
2: good it's been a good good tactic.
1: And it's just about and it's not not you shouldn't you're not going out of your way. You're just being good to people, right? So if we're good to the other hunters it comes back to us i mean if we talk about you know we got to make the hunting gods happy right so right. <laughs> we we do a lot of projects and stuff and that's and that's part of our job but it's also part of our job so every new hunter that comes into the sport is spending a bunch of money to get into the sport and every time they buy ammunition so we call it you know the Skybusters, that's just conservation that's all that is because every round the is putting tax money is. back into our pockets so we can do better jobs at these, these management areas, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can get mad at them. But if they go through five boxes of shells, man, that's a lot of conservation money coming back at us. <laughs> I mean, especially these guys want it. They're
0: Especially the way shells cost right now. Well, yeah, yeah. And, they're, and they're going on YouTube and they're like, if oh. you can find them right now. I,
1: I've, I've never hunted before, but I'm going to go buy a case of bismuth and a brand new Benelli. And I'm going to go hunt some ducks, and they go through an entire case of business and get two ducks. Right. You know, and so that stuff's all expensive. But the good thing is, the way the tax system's set up, that that money all is coming back to the wildlife programs. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a it's a good thing. So, yeah, you get mad at them, but at the same point, you think about, it, hey, man, that, that that's a lot of conservation money we we're getting back out for those guys,
3: right? And, and they don't know, right? No, and a lot of times too, if you walk up and you're, you know, treat people like you want to be treated age old yeah you know approach them and say hey you know just talk to them and sometimes they'll just be a jerk and they don't want to but most most people are like well I don't know anything about sport well guess what I'm a legacy hunter so <laughs> 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 I do know the sport I've been doing it since I was 12 years old well you with, know with, with your father.
0: attitude like like you should you should be more grumpy than anybody else out there because you've been out there for years and you well, the, the, like stereotypically, like he has out of everybody, he has the most right to be arrogant and egotistical. Hunter. Yeah, the, so the salty hunter, but he's not. He's he's he so- wasn't. No, you did, man. I just watched the words <laughs> come out of your mouth. Anyway, I understand yeah. the words are coming out of my <laughs> yeah. mouth. So, but he he doesn't. He's still like he's still talking to people. He's still educating. He's still pulling people in the conservation world. And I think that's why you've made it longer than most people in the sport because people that aren't happy out there all the time, unfortunately they burn themselves out and they don't show up anymore.
2: You're right because when you get to missing a lot of ducks and you're put, putting a lot of money into the sport, it's like playing golf. I mean, if you don't improve your scratch or your score, you're eventually going to drop out of that sport. You know, um, Glenn and I are both from the Midwest. I'm originally an Illinois kid and hunted in Illinois. My dad was in the military and I hunted on Lake St. Clair. We want to talk about duck hunting. Okay, and then I get stuck out in the desert here when my father retired from the army, and we had to make a go of it, and we (laughs) we had to learn, Keith Pittman and Overton and things like that, and we did have some older hunters that are now deceased that taught us, Mm -hmm. you know, and my dad was in his mid forties at that point. Here I am, you know, a teenager. Um, Midwestern people, I think Glenn would agree with me. We're a little more open. When you and I started talking a month ago, you even said it, Nick. You're not one of the guys that. Hunts all the time and is closed off, you'll talk about everything. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Let everybody have a good time. I have a good time. I go on the management area just to go walk around, especially as a retiree because I got nothing else to do and <laughs> stimulate my brain and my body. But but I just love being out there and I I try to talk to everybody. Um I've had some people approach me that are new hunters very aggressively, and being a former cop, you're like, whoa, you know? And then I have to say, hey. How would we introduce ourselves, not come up to me, hey, where are you going? Well, you're just now walking out here. I've been here since 1.30. Glad you've been here since 1.30, but you can't even set a decoy until 3 o'clock at WMA, right? So good for yeah. you, but I'm going to go past you, and I'll let the birds work, and they see how I hunt. Yeah. In fact, I met a game warden last year, John Anderson, a, that exact situation. Him and his buddies ended up set up before me. I got in there about 45 minutes before shoot time. I went in front of him and let the birds work. And when he'd seen that happening, I get a phone call. He went and talked to Andrew Coon and said, who's out there hunting? Because I had two other new hunters with me, and we had already had our limited canvas backs. And I'm saying, don't shoot those birds. We're at our limit. Nope. Nope. Take that. That's a pintail. And I'm yelling them out so these guys can get to looking at the birds and stuff like that. And also, my phone rings, and it's John Anderson. Hey, Nick, this is John Anderson. I'm a game warden. Can I talk to you? Sure. So we go talk. He goes, dude, you know, in the air, you're, you're IDing ducks. Can you teach me? Two weeks later, Glenn and I took John Anderson and another Metro Police officer who are new in the sport, teach him duck hunting. And he just contacted me because he heard me IDing ducks out there. And I was letting birds work into him instead of trying to shoot everything flying over the top. That's the one advantage I think that legacy hunters or more experienced hunters let happen they let birds work into anybody i don't care if it's a new hunter a legacy hunter we're smarter than that we know to can serve the ammunition because of the price of it number one number two i know for me 30 35 yards is my effective maximum killing range for my shotgun and the loads i use i hunt with a dog so i have that advantage she's going to go out there and retrieve for me but why not let the birds work through if I can't shoot him, let him shoot him.
0: There's something beautiful while seeing a duck turn and just come into your decoys. Well, You're like, you... I did it. I won. I outsmarted him. You got yep.
1: two choices. You can either let the birds work into somebody else or you can educate them. Right. Those are two choices, right? right. So we shoot at them and they're 70 yards out. You know, there, if I'm running a full choke, I could reach 70 yards on some of the loads I run. I'll shoot a three and a half. And, you know, yeah, I could I could get 70 yards if I really wanted to on a but full choke. But is it choke. ethical? well and i'll drop a duck okay. it'll drop a duck i mean it's not going to be a crippled duck it's okay. going to be a dead duck but
3: you know, it's either you're going to hit you're going to hit or you're
1: going to miss right okay, yeah. but if i miss which there's a higher likelihood that i'm going to miss that bird just got educated and that bird's not going to come around that area anymore right Correct. and so versus the guy next to me now drops that bird because we let that bird work everybody gets a more enjoyable hunt mm-hmm. and that's the thing is the toughest part about waterfowl hunting there's there's two tough parts right so your first hunting Trying to figure out, you're not running a rifle, you're running a shotgun. You can't hit that bird at 400 yards. You're not running a scope on your shotgun, right? Right. And we see so many people make first pass birds that are 250, 300 yards up, and they're taking shots at them, thinking they can hit them. Right. You're never going to hit those birds. The other one you have is how do you identify birds in flight? Now, there's a lot of tools. There's, I think it's the Leeming Masters uh, book that you know it tells you flight elevations, the standard flight elevations of birds. It'll tell you kind of the looks of birds. It'll tell you identify birds by beaks and feet and colors. And so there's resources out there, but nothing is going to beat just time on birds.
2: Time on birds. Yeah.
1: And and there's still some, I mean, some of the birds are pretty damn cool. especially when you start talking and you're shooting hens, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to get a pentail hen and a, a mallard hen in hens. flight. And drop a pentail and be over your limit right yep. so it, it's pretty easy to do so the best thing is and for everything really the best thing is if you can hit the drakes right everybody wants hit the drakes are prettier birds to start with right you, you have the hens delay for the next season and you don't have to worry about having that issue but a lot of new hunters they get so excited they just see the bird right and sometimes i mean we had a kid shoot one time into, at a bird that came into our spread that was not a legal, suitable bird. Thank goodness he was a, a really bad shot. But he, we literally had teal. We just dropped a teal. The smoke hadn't even cleared the water. The teal were still in the water, and it was an ibis came landed right into the middle of our decoys. And he sees a bird, and it's well, game on. <laughs> it's in our decoys, but and you can't fault them. But you hate to see a new hunter get in trouble with the game warden because they made a mistake. But it's better. Rydell's really right it was a classic of this he won't shoot a lot of birds if he doesn't know exactly what they are he's not going to shoot at them and and you can see it's a duck you can tell the difference in flight with a duck you know duck and a goose i mean it's pretty easy to tell okay that's a duck that's a goose species is a different thing he's like well i don't know if i can shoot that or not so i'm just gonna let it go
2: it's a smart tactic
1: yeah and then when he knows what he's shooting at then he drops the bird you're never going to go over your limit that way right Nope. so that's the thing i think with with getting guys in with experienced hunters that have been hunting a while, is we can tell them what to take and what not to take. Right, and so then they take the bird and they drop it, and now we can identify. Okay, that's a teal. It's a green winged teal, or that's a mallard, or you know, that's a a pen pen hen, right? Mm-hmm. So you can do all those things, and they can get to see them. And they saw them. Now they saw them fly. They saw where they were coming from. They I saw where they're making the first pass from. But it doesn't do you any good if you're shooting these birds sky busting because. The flight elevations in these books are based on that first initial pass, that their traveling right. path.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Birds will work down as they come and make their successive passes. They'll work down the column into your decoys. Exactly. If you're shooting them on the first pass, you, you just blew them out of that pass, right? You don't know what that flight elevation is, so it's 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 important just to kind of let them work and get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'll tell you is if something's not right in your decoys, or there's something that they're seeing that blind that they don't like, you got your head sticking out or you're flagging with your gun, Yep. you're going to see that moment when that bird turns and flares.
2: Oh, yeah. So He's going to educate you. Oh, yeah. I would rather watch a bird
1: come into the water because then I know that everything we set up is what they want to see. Right? right. There's nothing out of the ordinary. You get them in, they'll make that final pass, and they'll flare. Something spooked them on that final pass that you yeah. got to change. And so it's the other thing with new new hunters is it's just teaching them those things. I mean, or maybe I mean, the person moved a little,
3: you know, trying to grab their get ready for with the or, gun.
1: Oh, there's a duck over there, right? And and so <laughs> my favorite is they, they new hunters are notoriously slow. It's hard to get them up on the gun, right? So they cheat. So they stick their gun out of the blind and they're waving it around the whole time. Well, what do you think a bird's going to do?
3: Right, it's a flag, or they or they're <laughs> moving flagged. themselves as they're yeah. watching the bird, and it, that's just that's all the that's all the duck needs to see once it sees that it's gone
1: yeah it's not it's not normal forming him. I mean, Neil gannon was talking to us on one of i think it was on the last podcast we had with him talking about people set their blinds up but they don't cover the tops they don't brush over the tops right. and so a duck's flying over all he sees is a big black hole where there shouldn't be a big black hole and it's a square hole that's not quite right Right. so it's just things like that that we have to teach and, and the only way they're going to learn is if somebody is willing to teach them right it's hard to learn from the school of hard knocks and ron and i started with the school of hard knocks and we went out there like, i don't know not 100
0: we had some good we mentors had, we
1: had some people that came along but it was really after we'd hunted a few times by ourselves and we were hunting as much as we could i guess
0: okay. we had to prove that we were willing to put in the time so first. you
1: had the old timers that were hunting every morning we'd show up to hunt and they're like, we're like, well, where are you guys going? You know, how, how are you getting, what do you do there? What do you do there? And so they would answer the questions. Was that out at Overton Yeah. And there's okay. some, there's some good guys out there. There's some guys that are kind of maybe not so, so nice to other guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's some guys that I certainly would not send a new hunter with okay. because there's some things that probably aren't as ethical as they should be. Agreed. Um, and so, you know, you, you kind of limit who you are, but there's a lot of good guys out there that are willing to teach you. I mean, when we first started in the podcast. Preston, we, we met our, this Preston, and he was met on Facebook because he's like, listen to our podcast. The next thing you know, he's like, hey, anybody that wants to go hunting, it's never gone. I've got the guns, I've got everything. Come in and get in the blind with me. Shout right.
0: out to Preston. He took me dove to hunting today, and shout out to at the Little Punk. Yeah,
1: Preston, <laughs> but he's he's a good kid, and he's doing it the right way. You guys are doing it the right way by getting people out in the blind. Well, I think so. that
0: comes back to you know ethics, like and like. Um, I, I, I started out the podcast talking about um new hunters, but it, it applies to old hunters too. Like an ethical hunter that's been in the sport a lot has the responsibility to teach the new hunters.
2: The you way we, we just keep the sport going. Yeah. You know, And we're losing kids all the time because sitting in a blind for four and five hours is not easy for anybody to do. In the and, cold. In the cold. And nowadays, instant gratification with, with games on computers and the TV shows that are on TV. These kids are they're not used to being in one spot for more than 20 minutes without being stimulated in some way. Well, that's not going to happen in duck hunting. Somehow. You guys have been out, out there? Man, that's five hours and we've seen three birds. You know, but we get the camaraderie portion of it. You know, going back to the sky busting portion real quick, Glenn and I grew up in the days of lead, lead, when lead was legal to shoot. So those 60-yard shots were possible and killable, <laughs> and then we went to steal, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, Lord, you've limited me. And that took, that took quite a few years to... Yeah, Wisconsin was
3: one of the very first states ever to go steal. Okay, so I had one year to shoot leads all your fault, Well, we're right? getting we're getting lucky. <laughs> all the state of Wisconsin,
1: we're getting lucky now that you know there's there's been so much advance in, oh. in ammunition technology, yes. right? So you've got you know I shot bismuth a couple boxes of bismuth last year, man. All you got to do is get near a duck, and this thing wads up.
0: So I got mean, their stimulus check, yeah. <laughs>
1: No, we were going. We were going up to to hunt what should have been a really great hunt and had a crappy hunt because there were no birds because it was like eighty five ninety degrees out. Mm-hmm. But you know, that I ammunition's mean, really good if you can afford the tungsten. The tungsten's gonna it's got a lot of of power, so it's gonna carry a lot of that that velocity, that muzzle velocity, that momentum through those Correct. eighty yards, right? right? You've got the technology and chokes. Boss, boss went through and you know they have said, oh, Bismuth is great, but it's not uniform, so we're gonna. We're going to copper coat our business. And so so it's going to be a smoother flight. And so it's going to have more penetration. It's going to kill more ducks. And the reason he invented that ammunition is because he got tired of seeing crippled ducks. So he didn't think it was ethical to ever have a crippled duck. And so he made it his mission that there would be no more crippled ducks if you're shooting his ammunition. Right. And so there, there are those options. Now, mm-hmm. the cheapest option is going to be to shoot seal, right? Everybody... And even steel right now is well, ridiculously expensive. Cheap, man, so. Well, you can't shoot lead though, so you can it,
2: No, but you, you no, know, but you can practice. Because yeah. the best ethical thing to do is just go practice and get to get the rounds that fit your gun, your choke, and And you know, I'm deadly at this range, and work within that range.
1: Well, don't you don't you don't have to go out and buy a another 12. good
0: ethical tip. You know, know your gun. Know your
1: gun. Know well, your ammunition. What,
3: pattern it and pattern your gun with the because not every ammunition shoots the same out of every choke, every choke right.
1: or every barrel. So the choke and you change one of those elements, you change an ammunition, or you change a choke, or you change your barrel out. Yep. It's going to be a whole different gun. And you know, it's just and it, it's it's tough because you got all these guys that come in brand new into the sport and every hunting is kind of a macho thing a little bit, right? So you got all these guys that are alpha males going out there and hunt. So, I want the 10 gauge and I'm going to shoot three and a half inch <laughs> shells. I'm going to shoot the hottest load I can with a full choke. And that's great. Some guys that, that works for them, I would never shoot a tw- 10 gauge because I don't see the point in shooting a 10 gauge. We'll see. I like a 12 gauge and I'll shoot a lot of times, I'll shoot three and a half just okay. because I'm comfortable with the three and a half, but they don't bother me, right? It's not a, a thing of, oh, I got to have a three and a half to reach out there. There's it's,
0: two things Brian can't do is wear Crocs and shoot a 10 gauge because yeah. he's a girl. <laughs> Too much of a girl. Look at your Crocs. I guess you gotta have you gotta have the right color flag
1: for the Crocs, and I just don't have one of those <laughs> flags yet. <so. laughs> but no, so you dazzle your Crocs once. But we know guys that go out with four tens and drop ducks all day long, and they're lethal with a four ten, right? And we know guys that shoot nothing but two and three quarters. You know, and and so you
3: don't. That's have you. That's him. Quarter number fours. What what type of shell? Remington. Is the it the green ones? The fast ones. The
1: hypersonics? No. The cheap
0: ones? Uh-huh.
1: See, I like a three and a the half. Nitro inch.
3: steel. Not the cheap one. Not the Oh the nitro one. steel? The I got a case steel. of those
1: that, this last year I bought that I haven't shot yet.
3: Twelve gauge, three and two and three quarter, what number choke? four. Improved cylinder.
0: This the standard like this like it, came I, with a gun.
3: Yeah. I never took it out. It was an improved cylinder, I just left it in.
0: See, and I'm usually I know have, what, you, have you tried to take it out recently? Do you know if it's gonna come out?
3: Yeah, it comes out. Okay. <laughs> is it welded in there?
0: <laughs> I have a gun like that. <laughs>
3: well, it's not my old A5 Browning. that was the 32-inch barrel that was full which, choke. Yeah, but we both still have. When I grew up shooting um, redheads and bluebills and ringbills in the stumps of uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin.
0: So did you pattern that specific load till you're like, this is a load that shoots the best out of my gun?
3: Actually, no. When I first... I used to use Federal because back in Wisconsin, it, Federal was very easy to get mm-hmm. because it was manufactured in Minnesota. So where I grew it was hop, step, and a jump from where I grew up. When I came out here, couldn't find Federal. All I could find was Remington Nitro Steel. <laughs> so that's what I started using, and I just got good with it. And then when my um, Browning finally said, Glenn, no more... I'm retired. <laughs> Apparently you're not. So um I went and I bought a beretta and uh the first couple times I shot it, I couldn't hit diddly squat with it. And I was like, Okay, I gotta get a bunch of other, you know, um I borrowed I think some shells from you and some from Andrew Cummings and a few other friends so that way I wouldn't have to spend so much out of pocket. Yeah. And I Patterned it with that gun, and I found out what worked best with it: T- two and three quarter, number four, nitro steel.
0: That
1: is not. See, and I, for me, I mean, I, sh- I, my favorite round is is Remington, but I like the hypersonic. Mm-hmm. So seventeen fifty. Some guys hate it because they think it kicks too hard, and I, I don't even to me, it does, I don't even notice it. Okay. I don't know the difference between that or shooting any of the other ammo rocks that I shoot. My Crocs off, man. But I'll, but I'll shoot, I'll shoot number twos for everything. All year long, I'll shoot geese with number twos. I'll shoot. The only it's a little bit marginal as teal on a number with a number two. I mean, if you get them close, you can do a little bit of damage to a teal. two. sometimes a number it comes yeah. with
0: one bird, you, you end up with two birds.
2: You. Yeah. You're you're making them leak. But but you know <laughs>
1: the reason I like the hypersonic is because it's a faster round. I don't have to lead. I can almost be directly on a bird with that with very little lead. And I'm dropping a lot of birds very consistently. So it's just the way I shoot.
3: What the way the, the pattern with the, and the bird is flying, basically, you just get on the bird. And pull well, the because
1: you're looking at from 1,400, and some of those rounds are down to thir- down around 1,300 feet per second. You're shooting 1,750. So you're gaining. And I, I looked at it, and it was like at 40 yards, there was a, a difference between most standard ammunitions and the Remington Hypersonica, 8 inches. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have to have an additional 8-inch lead
2: right.
1: to, to adjust. So, and it may be different. I got so used to shooting it, so that's what I'm used to. Yeah. So there's a big adjustment for me changing to another ammo. So mm-hmm. if I have to go to a different ammo, so like last year, you can't get Remington Hypersonic right nope. now. You can't touch it. They, they quit manufacturing it. And so until Vista Outdoors starts manufacturing the Hypersonic again, okay. I'll have to shoot something else. So then it was finding the fastest load I could possibly find. So, I could kind of bridge the gap there a little bit, but still, the fastest load I'm looking at is 1550. Yeah. So, you know, that's 200 feet per second. So, Mm -hmm. it's that's a big change. Mine comes out at
0: 1275. I like to shoot my mighty ammo. Yeah. It might shoot, it might not. (laughs) 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 You know, the stuff that you've had for years and you're like, well, I'm almost out of shells. I'm Ron, the mighty ammo. If
1: you come shoot with Ron, he's going to give you a bag, and it's going to be, it, there's like 17 different colors of ammo in there. I think there might even be some 40 caliber in there somewhere, but, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been rolling around at the bottom
3: of the boat for four years. It might shoot it might
0: not.
2: <laughs> it's one's free. a 20 gauge, one's a
3: 12. <laughs> 16 gauge, yeah. No, when I was back home, um, I was going through some of my dad's old ammunition, and some of it is older than I am, and I was still shooting it. And not only that, but then as I was pulling some of it out, I actually found some that were still the old paper cartridges.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The old Peters? Yeah, that's yeah. why he
3: used to wear a shell vest to keep him here so that they way when he was in the water, they wouldn't get wet.
0: Do you know what I did just like yesterday to make sure like the new hunters that I give did them? Did you shoot the- at your neighbor's house again? <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I live in Loganville. We're allowed to shoot. Anyway... <laughs> Like, I, I went through the whole bag with a with a magnet, a big magnet, just to make sure there was no, no lead in the lead bag guy, right. so I could give it to the new guy. And I was like, hey, this is all lead-free, I checked. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing
1: is it's just, I mean, the, with the new rules. But I tell you, that older ammo, you can shoot that old ammo for a really long time. The powders were different. The primers were different. Oh, yeah. They held up better. The new modern ammo... You're not going to be able to shoot it after fifteen twenty years. It's just not going to be good ammo. And if no. it does shoot, it's not going to be consistent.
0: No. <laughs> Have you ever had the like one of the mighty shells? where You like pull the trigger, and it'll be like, well, <laughs> like I had it ignites I had, a little bit enough just to like make sh- the BBs fall into the water. Yeah, the the BBs <laughs> come right out to you the, gotta end of pour, the barrel
2: and then yeah, you got to right you got to tilt it. your gun out to get the barrel the BBs to roll out. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: You're throwing
1: the BBs at the bird at that point.
2: Yeah. Now who was making the ammo there probably about fifteen years ago, Glenn, when you was it Sportsman? You'd pull the trigger and it looked like confetti coming out of the end of it. <laughs> I mean it was cheap for steel, it was cheap. That it was, was like, the expert, wasn't the it? The expert, thank you. you. <laughs> right? It was like eleven ninety five a box, right? Oh and no, you, it was cheaper than that. And it was get, like six ninety five. Right. We were, and like, for steel? We were yeah. for steel. We were all like, Wow, this and, is awesome. Yeah, and until you until pulled the shot at it. it looks like you're at a parade. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why? Well, did I streamer. hit the bird? Big <laughs> sign that, comes
1: out and says, bang.
2: Is it, is that, hey, that's paper. And you're looking in front of water in front of the blind going, dude, that's confetti. I mean, whatever they were using, it was garbage, right? And they've improved the ammunition over the years. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a tri-true heavy metal guy because of the gun I like to shoot. And I shoot a Gen 1 Franke 12-gauge, and I shoot number fours year-round. Yeah. All right? And what it, joke? it works. Uh, I use modified and okay. and it works great for me. And being legacy hunters and Andrew Coonan would back this up. Glenn and I probably shoot majority of the ducks along with Ruben Aquino at Keep pitman. Not only because we're out there all the time, because we just know where to go at certain times of the season.
0: You know what ducks are doing
2: and we know what ducks are doing and it's for the new hunter, you've got to spend some time out there learning the management areas. If you're going to hunt management areas, you got to spend time out there, off season, during the season, watching, learning where watching, birds want to be and finding that X. And that's just general knowledge we all know as duck hunters. Right? Find the X. Well, I know in mid February, Key Pittman's going to shut down a little bit. I'm not. I'm sorry, mid November, it's going to shut down. So we got to move around. You know, I don't hunt Overton. I just, I don't like to play ping pong. They have their thing and it works for guys and they're closer to town. So you get more pressure on there. I like to take my hour and 25, 30 minute drive to keep Hedman and kill my birds and enjoy my day. And if somebody's out there that's new, I'm probably going to invite them hunting as long as I can figure out if they're safe. That's the biggest thing you can invite anybody you want to, but you've got to watch some gun safety with some of these guys.
0: That's what I like about Overton, and this is why. Because last year I took this, uh, I took this gentleman out. <laughs> he was he was rather short. <laughs> that's not what somebody else called him. He was back. rather short, um, and uh, I was like, okay, you got to stay down. And Overton has blinds, right? Box yeah. blinds. You know, what's really easy to control a gun in a blind where you can't put it anywhere but up. And I was so lucky I took this kid out in a box blind because he just <laughs> he just <laughs> turned in circles the whole time looking at ducks. With his gun, I was like, Man, you got to stop pointing your gun at me. And uh, he wasn't invited back, but that being said, that's why I like taking new hunters out to Overton because it's safer.
1: Well, and I yeah. like so overton for us to run, I prefer Key
0: Pitman is not because well, you, we can run and gun, you, yeah, you can run and gun, and it's mm-hmm. not controlled. And
1: we prefer yeah. the Key Pitmans, the Sunny the Pranigans, we prefer that. But man, for us, Overton is so convenient. It's ten minutes from my house. Sure, I get up, I go there. I'm and if especially Ron, Fridays a lot, so Ron has to go into work. We can hunt till seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Okay, and Ron can go to work and he'll be there by nine, you know, nine thirty. With with we couldn't do if we were to go further north. But we'll still do that quite a bit, depending on the days, right. and depending on where the ducks are. Um, and Overton is really we call it the country club. <laughs> because man, you got benches you can sit on. You kick your feet up. You in a nice blind, camping spots. You know, so yeah. so you could. I mean, it is a really comfortable place to and to it's hunt, safe
0: for new, old new hunters. Versus
1: Keith Pittman, you have a couple set blinds, but most of it Ryan are sitting in the water the most of the time or. Even if we're in an area where there's a blind, we're sitting in the bull rush. You're in one foot of mud. Yeah, sitting next no, to the no, no, blind no. one or...
0: foot of water, five feet of mud. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's better. Right. Right. But
1: but it's for us it's it's the same thing is you don't have quite as much pressure. Um it's a little bit it's uncontrolled. It. Yeah. Right.
2: It's a little bit it's uncontrolled, but it's more spread out, right? Yeah, you know, we've had complaints over the years, even from some legacy hunters that like to hunt overton. About we need to turn Key Pittman into just like Overton, and you got you know have a reservation system, and these are hunters that come out a few times a year, and they're good hunters, but they'll never volunteer. To do they'll never pick up a shovel, right? They just come out to shoot. And I tell those hunters, I'm like, then stay stay at Overton, go play ping pong, do your thing, and be happy with your 2.7 birds. Where Glenn and I are, average 3.7 to 4.7 birds a hunt. All right, we don't get the pressure, except on the weekends. But I'll take that drive. I think with the Biden gas program, I think I don't <laughs> think people are going to be running north as much. At, you know, well,
0: nobody have a Biden stimulus program. Did you still? see that so, sticker, dude? Uh, the people are put on gas. Bombs? I bought.
1: I bought. Like 100 of them, Ron. So they're really? on their way. Really? Is that
2: the sticker you're telling Especially me Especially when I filled up my yeah. sperm the other day with 115 Biden bucks. pointed at the gas prices and says, I did this. It was
1: 115 <laughs> bucks for a tank of gas the other day. I'm So I went and bought a bunch of little stickers after that.
2: So. Yeah, but I think that's going to relieve some of the pressure of people going up north and put more pressure on, on Overton, which is unfortunate, you know, because how much pressure can that management area sustain for a full season. Yeah,
0: that, that gets consistent around. I don't think it's going to affect
2: it okay. too bad. And then your younger hunters are going to get frustrated because there's so much pressure, and a kid comes out there and he watches the guy in Blind 7 him and he never gets to even pull the trigger because this guy is not being ethical.
1: But that's why I think that the greatest thing the state of Nevada does, especially Overton, is that youth hunting program Yes, two weeks before opener and two weeks after close. It gives those kids a chance to come out with nobody else being allowed to shoot Mm-hmm. And if we do it right, we bring experienced hunters, let those kids get into a blind with an experienced hunter, teach them to do it the right way, get them on birds. I mean, this last year, I mean, I, ha- I, was, I had my oldest boy with me. Okay. And so he was 17 at the time and he had a couple of his friends. They were all, they're all seasoned experienced hunters, right? Okay. But they still, they're kids, right? They get a little anxious. They want to shoot a little bit early. But they were we harvested a lot of birds, and we harvested a lot of good birds. We had, a, I think, we had pintail. I think we had a cinnamon
0: out of that. Well, they were kids that me and Brian had mentored from when they were bad hunters into good hunters, mm-hmm. and Brian got to hunt with them. I had all the bad hunters. Yeah, still. he had all his yeah. kids. He had Anyways, like, his twelve kids. So, so like, <laughs> Brian had all these good like hunters that we've mentored all the way up, and they're about to phase out of the youth program, and they are killers. Go but on. it just
1: gives those kids the opportunity to harvest birds, to where – you don't have the pressure from all, all the adult hunters. Now you still get the kids that are going to sky bus, but I'll tell you that program is still relatively small. You can still spread out away from guys quite a bit out there. So we do an uh, opener and a closer. Um, This last year, Ruben came out and did a duck call contest with the kids, did that whole thing, but there's prizes for the kids. We do donuts and hot chocolate to make it enjoyable for the kids. And I think, we talk about it. We've talked about it a couple times on our podcast. As, as dads, we go out with our kids, and we don't necessarily teach our kids the right way. We yell at our kids when they miss birds. We yeah. get frustrated because they won't sit still in the blind.
0: Dude, when, I'm going with my kid on his youth hunt yeah. next week. I'm going to try so good not to be a douchebag.
1: But <laughs> but if you bring somebody else into the equation, they don't have those same, same hang-ups, right? right? You're not at home with them. They're going to listen to these guys a little bit more. So if we can get more mentors out in the field with these kids that these kids don't necessarily know that are good quality guys that are hunters, the Rubens, the Rydells, the Prestons, the you guys. I mean, these kids are going to get an opportunity to learn the right way, right. and they're going to learn more than is the dad taking them out teaching them to hunt. Now, I love, that's one of my favorite things ever ever do is go hunting with my kid. Uh, it's, it's the coolest thing. I dropped, The coolest thing I ever did was drop kid, two ducks at the same exact time with my boy. You know, and so it's, it's just an experience you're not going to get everywhere else. But right. at the same point, I know he does better when Ron, it's him and Ron, because I treat him different than Ron's going to treat him. What it, are you
0: talking about, man? Remember that deer hunt where he oh. didn't put the plug in? A, like, we're out muzzleloader <laughs> hunting, and I'm like, he shoots his muzzleloader. I was like, you all loaded up, ready to go. You ready to go? You ready to yeah, go? Yep, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. A deer pops out. I was like, shoot it, shoot it. And he's like, I don't have a calf. I'm like, what, you, <laughs> what does ready mean to you, Cody? <laughs> so, like, and Brian's like, yeah, Ron's really much like a little more nice to him. I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I think I just yell at him a lot less than you do. Like, Listen. <laughs> he listens when I'm yelling. That's great, but, but he takes the cap and goes pop and drops the deer. Like, I think it's because I was yelling at him. <laughs> yeah, got him but, I but he not performed miss. under pressure. But you, and you know
1: what? And That's the thing is, it's just it's different when they're dealing with somebody else, and it's different. You know, we gotta approach it. Like I said, hunters are A A personality, type A, and we go into a blind and say, "Dude, you don't know what the hell you're doing." I'm going to show you how to do this hunting thing. What I, does A stand for on you? On. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have some I have some nice names. <laughs> as long as they don't call me for dinner, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> but but no, um, if you go in, you have to handle it the right way, right? So we had an issue. Ron wasn't hunting, and I, I'd hunted. I was with Cody, my boy, and we I'd shot a limit, and Cody got a couple, and we out and this guy's like, "Hey, how'd you guys do?" And I'm like, oh, "We limited plus a couple." And he's like, "Oh yeah, we got a couple." I'm like, oh, "Yeah, what'd you get?" Uh, I don't, I don't know. Can you help me? Right. And so we were able to go over there and help him. I'm like, well, you know, this is what this is. Well, that you shouldn't have because it's not open till tomorrow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that was an education thing. That was like, hey, you know, give me your number. I'll call you. We'll take you out hunting. We'll get shoot you. In. Me, shoot me pictures of your birds, and I'll let you know what yeah, they are. Yeah. Right. Shoot me a picture of a bird. But we'll take you out. We'll get you in a blind. We'll help you out. Because he was like, "Man, I just want to know. I don't know how to identify the birds. I want to know. I'm trying to do it the right way, but I don't have anybody to help me." like, We'll take you out. So we, I called him like the next day, or that I think it was that day. We were going out, supposed to have another guy go hunting with us, and he backed out. Okay. And I called him. I'm like, "Hey, you want to do something stupid?" And so we went and hunted in the snow and the hail and the 60 mile an hour winds and. It was the most miserable hunt Ron and I had ever been on. I mean, it was it was horrid. No ducks flying. I mean, it just just bad.
0: Bad. Have you ever had a snow so hard in your face that you can't look up? Yeah, yeah. I hate that.
1: <laughs> We're snow desert rats. We're not you're used right. to that. You know,
0: but so you Midwest guys are probably like, oh, sideways snow. snow. <laughs> but if I would have went
1: over to him and said, "Dude, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? You know, you should learn how to do your do this hunting thing right before you come out here." That's a different conversation, right? right? Then it wouldn't have been the opportunity to educate because our job is to educate people and teach them to do it the right way. And if we're not willing to teach them to do it the right way, then keep your mouth shut. Right. It's pretty simple.
0: Well, yeah, that's like you guys are saying. Being an ethical hunter you know, is not just showing up on time and not sky-busting and you know, not, um, not blowing the birds off the water. But like being a, a legacy hunter or someone that knows what he's doing and being an ethical hunter is taking out the new guy and not being a dick to the new guy, so that when he's talking to you, he'll open up and you can educate rather than just rather just make him feel bad about right. himself. You know that don't do no good for nobody because he he's still gonna come back. I mean, us hunters we're honorary It doesn't oh, matter yeah. if you call us me call me late for dinner or whatever. I'm still gonna come back the next day and blow your birds off the water. Right.
1: Well, and you know, here's the other thing is I think from a mentor standpoint is it's not just the guy that you're taking with you that's going to learn something sometimes. you know, I don't care how long you've been hunting and what you've hunted and where you've hunted and this and that. A lot of times you can learn a different method that you've never even yes. thought about and it can completely change what you hunt. Freaking Ruben was talking about, we don't set spinning wings. I mean, the, they don't work late season. They don't work. I mean, <laughs> Ruben's like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> late season. I sp- sent had nothing but like 10 spinning wing decoys right, and like one floater. And I slaughtered it. And he goes. Then I went and did it the next week and didn't get a single bird. <laughs> so, but it's okay. Maybe you try that so that one time. But there's we all hunt a little bit different. We all have our own little. I hunt light decoys. Ron hunts heavy decoys, and so we all have a different way of approaching it. Right. And they can all be really effective. But if I can take your effective and my effective and put them together, that's
2: even better. Your way of hunting is something you're comfortable with. And when people sit back and go, well, he's doing it all wrong. Well, how do you know? You've never tried it. You never never walked in his shoes. Try it. You may come back with more birds than you've ever done it. And it goes with duck hunting, big game hunting, you know, Uh, no no matter what it is. Don't knock somebody else's method until you try it, you know. And I don't care how long you've been hunting, five years or 100. His five-year method may be better than my 25, 30-year method. I'm not opposed to looking at it. But guys, hunters are A-type personalities. A majority of the guys that ask me to take them hunting are either military or prior military or cops and firemen. There's no bigger ego. Okay? And then when you can see a guy who's been there, done that, and he's fought for our country or he's kept our citizens safe, and he can perform under pressure, and all of a sudden a flock of mallards are cupped up. And they're coming right in the decoys, and I'm watching him, and this guy's ready to cave in because he's (laughs) excited. And he's like, this really is happening. I I don't have children. You guys that are lucky enough to have children, you watch your kids be successful at that hunt. I don't need to kill another bird that year. (laughs) I've just watched a new hunter get the experience that he's never had before. And he's got police officer, military, he's been there, done that, and all of a sudden you watch him, and he knocks those birds down, he's like, oh, my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened <laughs> It's like a home it. run, man. I but. love it. So that's what keeps, the for me, the mentorship going. Um, I've got the current undersheriff of the Metro, Metropolitan Police Department. I ran into him last week at a benefit hockey game, and he goes, hey, you're taking me duck hunting this year, aren't you? Yes. You know, sure, you call me whenever you want to go. I've got game wardens. Hey, I'm going to come out with you again this year. You name the day. And I'll be when you can turn somebody onto this sport, even if it's a kid or an adult, we're st- we're perpetuating our sport. We really are. It's 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 a positive thing. No
0: <laughs> something I do that's like super stupid and Brian has had witness it multiple times.
1: There's there's a big list wrong. There's I, a big list I have a book.
0: I'm gonna go ahead and yeah, I mean you can write it. I how, how, <laughs> how many chapters? <laughs> um I, I stopped counting like forty two. <laughs> <laughs> they keep on growing, more he hangs out with me. No, but like something I like to do, like if I see a, a hunter work a bird and drop it, man, I will cheer. Yeah. From like the next thing, I'll, I'll like, like, I know some people yell at each other angry. I'm like, yes, that a boy, you did it. That was awesome. Yep. And like, they'll hear me from across the water. And Brian's like, shut up, dude. What? Like it's... when his kid dropped his deer, I ran across around yeah, the I don't truck know was hopping. Here. And I was like, that a boy, you did it. Look at that. That was awesome. And his son, like. Is like just doesn't show a lot of emotion. So he's like, Whoa, dude, you need to calm down. (laughs)
1: Slow your roll with your crocs. I think I (laughs) I don't roll like
0: that. (laughs) I I think what you're expressing is the same thing, dude. It's just like, There's nothing like You are just so freaking pumped. And it's okay to like cheer the other duck hunters on that you don't even know. Because they're like, Oh, man, that was kind of cool. Well, you You know, know, that's how I felt, but I didn't want to be. Most of the
3: times I don't get like that excited about it when somebody else shoots it. But if it was a, you know, what they did. To bring the birds in, or was a yeah. good shot. I'm like you. I will yell, go, great shot! Yeah, yeah. See, and I think great you- shot. You did that right. And when you bring in, um, new people into the sport, whether they're your kids or somebody else's kids or adults that yeah. have never experienced uh, waterfowling before, and like you said, you know, to watch them as a flock of mallards or pintail come in. And set their wings, and they're they're cupped right in, and then, like Nick said, that when they pull up and they shoot, and they kill their first bird, you can just see it in their eyes.
1: Well, and I think you you people too. I mean, you look at we're not doing it for any other reason other than we we want to get more people in the sport. We enjoy it. I I don't have to shoot a duck. Uh, I'm just as happy to watch somebody else shoot a duck, especially the first time first timer dropping a duck. That's
0: what he says because he misses all the time. So
1: yeah, well, it's because I. <laughs> You're, handy, <laughs> you're handicapped, and I got to give you a chance. So, but so the other thing we Remember look at puts you to
0: sleep at night, bro. <laughs> so the
1: other the other thing we have is you know you're talking about the undersheriff and taking him out hunting, and, and the police and the firefighters. Ron and I we did a we sat down with Mark Hutchinson and did a podcast with Mark Hutchinson. So we're going to get to take the former lieutenant governor for the state of Nevada out hunting this nice. year, and so it's a place where you can you can develop relationships that are going to be long-term relationships outside Correct. of the duck blind as well. Correct. And it's all because you're willing to go the extra mile for somebody. But for me, I mean, we took a firefighter and his kid out that, that are friends of mine and he'd been trying to get his kid on, on an animal. He didn't even care what it was. He he pulled deer tags, couldn't get a deer. Went took to quail hunting, couldn't get any, get on any quail. And so he called us and he said, hey, Brian, will you take us duck hunting? I just want to get him an animal. Okay. And so we were, we went to the sunny side, put him on the boat, Five minutes after shooting light, he had his first bird on the water, and he's like so excited to do it again and do it more, and to see that. <laughs> we also it, dropped his dad off the back of the boat. A, <laughs> uh, he's
0: after a fireman. Dad, he's used to
2: water.
1: <laughs> after his dad told him, "Hey, don't stand up in the boat; you'll fall in the water." <laughs> so, but so that kid, that that raw emotion from that kid from having that first hunt, and then we we. I don't know how you guys do it, but if we're going to take you hunting and we're going to be great, lucky enough to harvest some birds, we're going to teach you how to breast the bird out, right. and we're going to make you breast the rest of the birds out. Not because we don't want to breast the birds out, because we do it all day long. Every time we take them out, every time we go out, we'll breast our own birds. But it's so you have that skill when you're there on your own, mm-hmm. you know how to do it. Yep, you know what you have to keep. You know what you can get rid of. You know, you know, like keep it's pit- one less
0: obstacle to keep you out of the field. Yeah.
1: So there's certain rules. Some places you got to keep a wing and and throw it in the box. Some places you need to do this. Some place you got to fill out a card. Right. So we walk our hunters through that process as well. So when they do it on their own, and the game warden comes and says, "Well, hey, how come you didn't drop a wing?" Or "Hey, how come you didn't fill out your card?" Now you can't hunt next week. Right. Um, we don't want that to happen. And then you know it's a big thing. So like. In Texas, you don't. Not only do you have to take the breast, but you got to take the legs. Okay. So in Nevada, you don't have to take the legs. It's no. just just breast the no birds, right? right? Just just breast the birds. You're you're good to go. But in Texas, it's want and waste if you don't take the legs oh. with you. Hey. So it's those things that are important to teach our hunters as yes. well as just the shooting and taking the animals. So I have a
0: question for you with Key Pitman and their rule that you have to put you have to put a wing in the box, correct? If you're doing taxidermy or things of that nature, what wh- where is that at, Nick?
2: So here's the reason behind the wing situation. It's, it's a majority of hunters are very inexperienced at identifying birds. Mm-hmm. So even though they're checking greenling teal and mallard on the on the card, if Andrew pulls the wings and they're not matching what's in the card, he knows that it's an an error on that portion. All right? You're supposed to cut one wing, but if you're able if you want if you kill a bird that's going to be mm-hmm. you know mounted You don't have to. Okay. You don't have to. Um, Glenn and I, because we've been hunting so long, we identify our birds. We don't cut wings. We don't. And it's just from manager to manager to manager after they got to know us, they're like, yeah, just fill out your card, please. Right? That's all you need to do. There's nothing that says you have to cut a wing. Okay. It's a request by Endow. To make okay. sure those, those, those cards match the wings that are in the box. And it's a
3: request more like if you're unfamiliar or you're, you don't know what the bird is for 100%. Because, you know, when you start out, you're, you're not 100%. You know, you can look at the pictures all you want. <laughs> but a lot of times that picture and the bird you just shot doesn't always match up.
1: They don't match any of the pictures. Right. I got a hybrid.
0: Right. <laughs> right.
3: Right. And, you know, so you get that difference and, and that's also the learning process. So if you're unsure, mark down what you think it is, cut the wing.
1: Well, and for ducks, it's, I, it helps a lot for that. But you got When you look at the sage grouse, the sage grouse is mandatory, right? So you're supposed to drop a blue grouse wing in the bucket. But what that's for is so they know what the, what the harvest was. They know how many, how many birds are out there. They can manage that area a little bit better. So it's important on those things that we, we keep that up, and we do our part with that stuff. Correct. So, and that's just great.
3: like at, at, at Key Pittman, and, as well as Wayne Kirch, is that after you're done with your duck hunt,
2: fill out the card. You gotta fill out the card. You gotta card, fill guys. out the you, card. It's, 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 it's so beneficial for the area manager that he knows how many guys were out in his management area. That way he can prep for next year. Listen, they're all funded by money, it's all funded by use. Right. Correct. And without that use being shown in statistic books, how does he know accurately? Take the two minutes, fill out the card. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Who cares if you weren't successful? You're embarrassed because you didn't kill anything in five hours? Who cares? But it shows that you were on the management area because if we're not using these management areas, they could get shut down hey. or change for something else, military training or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, Fill out the card.
0: Yeah, another question, um, and this is specifically because you, you said run and gun earlier. As a new hunter ethically, what are some of the things you need to watch for when you are jump shooting? Like, from your standpoint, like, what are some of the, like, hey, these are do's and don'ts?
2: The number one thing is make sure you're paying attention to what is out in front of you because oh, today, Dove Opener, September 1, kickoff to the bird season, right? 22 vehicles out in Key Pittman today, guys everywhere, and some guys just not looking forward to see who might be in that stand of bushes or those cattails. Because in Key Pittman, we don't have many blinds, and they're not assigned so when we're running and gunning, Glenn and I could be tucked into the cattails, and all of a sudden you've stepped in behind us, and you don't even know we're back there. We're all wearing camo. We're trying to be quiet. So at least look forward to see what's out in front of you. Um, now with the use of kayaks, and we're seeing more use out in Key Pittman. Uh, I know people have different opinions of it, but kayak hunters aren't paying attention out there. So I could be set up two hours before sunlight, So the guy in the kayak comes out there, and he's going to sit right out in front. Well, now he's just cut me off. Ethically, that's wrong. Yeah. So just move off left or right. Give me some room. Give yourself some room. But you've cut me off. Now I got to change my pattern of shooting because of you. And when it comes, it's one
3: thing if there's a big enough distance between the two of you, but a lot of times you'll see that person. Come in and set up within 40, 50 yards of you, and you're like, well, if I pull the trigger, I could potentially hurt this person. Or, definitely gonna pepper or, him, or, or right. definitely gonna pepper him, or if he shoots the wrong way, he might end up shooting me, not you know, maybe not knowing that I'm even there. So if I see something like that, the first thing I do is, um, hey, I'm hunting over here.
1: Well, yeah. let let people know. I mean, so run. I do a lot of kayak hunting, right? And so we're very good about you know we're looking for headlamps. We're we're looking at the water before we even pull down into the water right so we're looking as we're coming down the highway looking to see where there's lights at yeah. especially piranagat because you can see that yes. whole lake pretty much right and then as we're as we're paddling out we're continuing to look and then if somebody's coming up on us and we're in a spot we're shining our light on saying hey we're in here it's right. if you see people's lights shining at you they're not saying hey come here hunt with me they're, they're saying hey help. i'm here move on don't go right on the corner of their cove go a cove over there's plenty of land to hunt there's plenty of room to hunt
3: there's always there's always room to hunt and
0: anyway. you could always ask if you could jump in with them hey do you mind if i jump in with you and the worst they say is hey no but you can go right over here right exactly you know i've seen i've seen good ducks over here right except for i heard, I heard today don't ask me for my spot i'm probably gonna lie to you <laughs> anyway <laughs> 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 don't ask me where i hunt it's gonna be a lie anyways Anyways, yeah. <laughs> but that also being said, I don't think it's appropriate to run a gun uh, right at sunrise. Because if, if you are going to run a gun, you better sit there and listen for a mm-hmm. little bit cuz duck hunters, you want to be tucked in, you want to be quiet, and you want to sit there and get a lay of the land and listen for where the gunshots come from because then you can know I'm not going to shoot if I get too close this way. Correct.
1: Well, and I'm so, not a big I'm not a big jump shooter. Jump shooter. Ron Ron Ron, Ron gets impatient. And he's like, I gotta go do something. So, he'll go jump shoot. And what I would say is, as a hunter, wait till the birds are done flying. If you're gonna jump shoot, they're gonna be on the water and they're where other people can't get them. Wait till they quit flying and then go jump shoot. I mean, because it's not gonna do anybody good if birds are still flying and you're up there running around, flagging your gun all over the place, running down the dikes. Right. The birds are just gonna flare. Nobody's gonna get any birds. You want to do that after the birds have come and keep and Hitman Scott there's waves i mean you get an early wave you're gonna get all your, yes. your biggest flight is gonna be first thing in the morning you get those big pushes eight or nine o'clock in the morning you're usually gonna get another push through Correct. there after that okay go jump shoot a little bit if you mm-hmm. want and then in the afternoon come back and and sit in the blind and hunt some more but it's just being good to the guys that are around you and understanding it's not just you that you're affecting it's every hunter that's around Correct. you when you're doing those things same with the kayak hunters don't don't go paddling out in the middle of the damn birds and trying mm-hmm. to shoot in the middle of the birds because all it's doing is chasing the birds off of that water for everybody else. You're not
0: going to get them anyways. You're yeah. going to shoot coots and ruddies. Well, Maybe
1: you a ruddy. You don't get them even if you're sitting there blind. But
0: <laughs> but most of the time, too,
3: when they do that, they just end up blowing the birds off, and they don't come back. They either go... No. They go, they and, go to Peranigan, they, they go to private. They go to the private land in between, or they or they go to Peranigan, and that's, you know, especially on... If it's a Wednesday, guess what? You're SOL now because those birds aren't coming back. Well if you're
1: gonna do that, let Ron and I know and we'll take that day and we'll go down to Pranigate. And
0: so <laughs>
1: Right. But it's it's I mean, I will tell you we've put hunted some of the places up up more to the northern side, you know, the key pitmans, the sunny sides and First time I took my boy up, so he was so used to hunting Overton. I mean, if you get a flight of three birds in there, it's like,
2: Whoa, look right. at that. That,
0: that thing
1: was huge,
2: right? right.
0: If, you, if you see a flight of three birds without that being sky busted, exactly. yeah. you're like, holy smokes, so, those made it all the way around. 16
2: guys have called at him. 14 we take... sound like kazoo players. Exactly. And I'm like, is that um, a dead coyote call? <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the kayak, kayak hunting portion of it, yeah, it's listen, it's, it's it's a great style of hunting. I'm starting to fall in love with it. But also, we have 55 other available hunters on Key Pittman. You're not the only guy out there in a boat. All right? There's other guys that are sitting behind you that are in blinds or tucked into the bulrush, maybe one other guy in the boat. And he's doing it where he takes his boat, he sets his decoys, he takes the boat back in, he lays in it or sits in it, shoots his birds, and then he goes and retrieves with his boat. He's not floating around the marsh. That's what we do, yeah. Right, and, you're afraid, and and he's not floating around uh, Nesbitt because when they're doing that, they're kicking those birds off, and there's so many places to go that are private. You've got the Cannon Ranches. You've got the Whipple Ranches. You've got Peranigat. They're going to the, go. You've
0: got the whole strip from Frenchy right. to Peranigat that they can go.
2: Right. And, they, and then
0: in Peranigat, there's, there's there's protected areas where you can't shoot in Peranigat. Correct. Can't.
2: You've mm-hmm. got the Upper North Ponds and thing, the lakes and things like that. So they're going to go find where they're not getting pressured. And so you got to think about that as a kayak hunter. It's like the guys that want to hunt the dike. Even a running gunner, though, too. You know, (laughs) if
3: they're out, you know, running, um, walking the um, east side or the west side of, of Nesbitt or Frenchie, once they do that, you
2: know, those birds, after they get shot a couple times, they're up, they're gone, see ya. You know, middle of the week... Frenchie normally, the NHP guys that have taken up duck hunting who've become pretty good duck hunters out there, normally during the middle of the week, when I like to hunt, if Nesbet and the ponds get blown up, they would go sit on Frenchie, and they wouldn't get messed with all day. And in the evening, they would start floating back to the north for that evening roost, right? Well, now you're starting to see more pressure on Frenchie, which is good. Um, but these birds, they're, no, they're not dumb. You know, we're going to shoot local birds. We're going to shoot the birds that have been here all summer long, probably until about two and a half weeks into the season, three weeks in. After that, they're moving. They're either going to Overton, they're going to Lake Mead, whatever. Now we got to wait for our mar- migrants to go get down here. And that's where the inexperienced hunter doesn't understand what these birds need. They need food, they need cover, and they need it to be quiet some days. That's why we have opposite days. Hunt on odd number days right let them rest well these migrants that come in there they see there's nobody hunting it they're going to sit on on key pitman they will until you get guys like us who will hunt them you know a couple days a week and then the weekend hunters which all the pressure happens and that's just part of hunting and part of being on wma right part of being wma you can't
0: handle the heat get out of the
1: fire there's two things there's two things that move birds right so there's you're either going to have they're running out of food so mm-hmm. we'll see a move from the north when, when they have six to eight inches of snow. Mm-hmm. It takes six to eight inches. A little snow flurry with two inches of snow is not going to do it. No. The other thing that's going to move them is hunting pressure. Yes. This last year, what we saw was it never got cold up north, mm-hmm. and there was no hunting pressure from Canada like there normally is. Right. So none of the people from the United States were allowed into Canada to hunt. Right. So you had nothing to push the birds. So what we saw was a really, really weird season. Normally we'll get, you know, September, we'll start getting the pintails in. Right. They'll be about a week, and then the mallards push in right behind them. Right. This year, I will tell you, after hunting season, we we're in, what's the dog trials are in February, aren't they, Ron? Yeah. So, February, there were still pintails sitting on the ponds by 20, 30, 40 birds at a time in Overton. Yep. We never got a mallard push. The pintails never pushed out. They didn't They didn't go further south. No, They just turned right about and went back north. So, you're going to have those things. So if you're as a hunter, and they'll sit there. I mean, they sat there from the end of hunting season all the way to the dog trials, mm-hmm. but they were getting no pressure. As soon as you pressure them two, three days in a week, they're gone. They're, they're yeah. going to move on. And, and if there's or nothing just to hold a them, weekend
0: with a lot of shooting,
1: yeah. And if there's nothing to hold them, that they're not going to stay. So if there's no food or anything to hold them, so especially you got over ten, it's just a roost spot. It's just a resting spot. Right. So you're, they're going to roost. They're not going to come in to feed. They're going to roost and rest. That's it. So they're going to come in there. Well, you shoot them the first time. They're like, well, this isn't a good place for me to ha- take a nap. I'm, yeah. I'm, out. I'm out. So I'm going to go somewhere where there is a bigger body of water that I can get a they're little just bit more protection. They're going to the lake and meet yeah. is what they're going to do. Or the river. They'll go down on yeah. the river and sit on the river. So when when, when that happens, you've just educated them. You just push them out of the hole. So the longer we can the, – the more sparing we are with the shots, the better we are because – yeah, they might hear a shot in the distance, but it's not going to spook them like getting shot directly at.
2: You figure these birds have been shot at, some of them starting in September because of the teal seasons that are different portions, different flyways. These birds have been educated since September. They've seen every spinning decoy, <laughs> every Ivy jerk league. line, every, every set out there, and they've heard every call, good or bad. They're educated by the time we get them down here. They really are. But food is important. The pressure, I agree with you. We, we don't get the pressure on Keith Pittman that they get it over to We no. just don't. All right. Um, even, even if it's a good weekend, them birds are still going to get a chance to rest later in the week. Um, just give them a little bit of a break and stop chasing them around. And be ethical about it because there's 55 other hunters out there. Let's take, for instance, between what we call Goose and Hendrickson Pond on Key Pittman. As you walk in eastbound on one of the dikes and you want to work your way towards uh, the south end of the management area, there's two blinds in there that are on the dike that people could use just tucking in, right? But they want to stand on that dike. Well, you're screwing everybody behind you because you're silhouetted. And you're screwing everybody in front of you And you're because, screwing because everybody the ducks can see you. Yeah. They can see you. You know, you talk to any... We all, we're all shooters here. You talk to any sniper, military sniper, and they will tell you the first thing they look for in the enemy is a face. Well, not everybody camos up their face. I'm not a big camel guy on thing. I don't wear a net and all that. I will put a little black a little bit under my eyes just because I got a fat face. and I got to hide that, right? <laughs> but the first thing those ducks are seeing from two miles out is their face. big
1: old white, boy. And, you know, now white you're,
2: boy. and now you're standing up on top of a dike. You might as well be waving a white flag going, don't come here.
1: Well, even if you're not, so animals are, are, they're, they're (laughs) They're the best conservationists out there. They're looking for predators. Mm They're going to be bad. And the predators are going to be silhouetted. Yep. And so they're looking for that silhouette. So even at, at, you know, just dawn, that pre-dawn, a little half hour before, Mm -hmm. so they're seeing that silhouette and that silhouette's like, that ain't natural. I'm not coming near that. And so you really have to, as a new hunter, you, if you think you're tucked in really, really good. Add a couple more layers because mm-hmm. you ain't even close. It's right. Talking a little bit better. You yeah. Know, you know, and that's the, and that's part of the the thing. And if Ron and I could do a lot better, because we spend, I would say 95% of our time, we're in a blind or on a boat with somebody that's never Will. hunted before. Yeah. Okay. Um, but if Ron and I went out and hunted by ourselves, we would limit out a lot more than we limit out now. But, you're always having to, no, no. You, you still got to tuck in more. No, don't even look. We'll tell you when to when to look. Right. You know.
0: And so, <laughs> if I see you look up, you keep your eyes at yeah. the water until I see you, you look up. up. I'm going to shoot you. How about that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, when so, you look up. I promise there'll be a duck in front of you. Okay. But, but it's kind of one of those things to
1: where you know you have to do it the right way. And if you're not, it's going to affect everybody's hunt. It is. So we could we could probably double our numbers every year if we just hunted just front It'll be pretty easy to do because I don't have anybody flashing their face. I don't have so what's the first thing you do? you tell telling your duck hunter, whatever you do, don't look up and don't point. Right. So the first thing I do is I look up and point. You know. And and so we will I'll wear I'll wear some sort of face covering a lot of times, but normally I tuck my head. Sure, yeah. And so I'm looking down and I'm looking kinda of out the brim of my hat, kinda of looking out. So I can still see in front of me, but They're not. They're coming looking down, so they're not seeing the white of my face. And I've got a friggin' six foot long beard too, so that helps quite a bit. When you got a baby face like Ron, it doesn't help quite as much. But
0: I'm growing it out, man. It's almost duck season. Got the
1: starter kit going again.
0: I don't gotta look like a terrorist to hide from the ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we're getting pretty long here. Yeah, we are. Long in the tooth, man. (laughs) Almost as long as your beard, but not as ugly. (laughs)
2: Well guys, we really, really appreciate you inviting us on the on the show and, and chit-chatting about it. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about putting meat on the table and 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 having a good time with your family and your friends. And why not meet new people and introduce yourself? Hey, my name's Nick, and would you like to come hunting with me? And tr- show them the right way to do this sport because all they're gonna do is pass it on to somebody else. That's what they're gonna do if they fall in love with it if we show them the right things
0: to do. Yeah, we can't thank you guys enough for all the hunters you take out, all the conservation you guys do at the at the WMAs, I mean, the countless hours, and, uh, you know, just being a good example to people. I mean, and, you know, that's one of the main reasons we had you on here. But, man, thanks for passing on the knowledge to all these Pretty all perfect. these good people.
3: Well, we're not going to be here forever, so <laughs> there has to be a new generation that takes <laughs> over for us, although I wish I could. I know that's not in the cards, so... If we don't pass it on, you know, our love for the sport, what's going to happen to it?
1: Well, well, we appreciate you guys having coming on with us and sitting down and talking to us a little bit. And, you know, if you're going to go out this weekend, try to take somebody with you. If you're going to take somebody with you, why don't you try to teach them something? If you can't take somebody or teach somebody, hunt hard.